You're listening to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast with your host, Melody Spencer, a show where female entrepreneurs get radically honest about life and business. Today's episode is sponsored by Swiftly Social Digital Marketing. Swiftly Social helps people create a heart-centered digital marketing and Facebook ads strategy that gets you results. For a free video tutorial on how to grow your Facebook following by 10,000 or more, visit swiftlysocial.com. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Biz Babes with Soul. I am of course your host, Melody Spencer. And guys, I am so excited to have my friend Tanya here today. I have been trying to get her on my show for months. She (laughs) and I met, oh, I think like six or eight months ago in a podcasting group. And I was on her amazing podcast, Recovering Church Girls. Plug, plug. Go listen to it. Um, And she and I just weirdly had all this stuff in common. And we've just become good friends. And you guys are going to love her. So welcome, Tanya. Well, thank you. That's the sweetest intro ever. (laughs) Tanya is a serial entrepreneur. And she's, of course, the host of um, Recovering Church Girls. And yeah, she's just super cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why, thank you. Feelings mutual. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about all the things you do. Oh boy. How much time <laughs> do we have? <laughs> as long as you want. So this idea of being a serial entrepreneur is, um, you know, I kind of joke because people will, will say, I mean, even just before we started recording, you're like, okay, how do you want me to introduce you? Cause you've got a lot going on. That is just pretty much the way that I do life. Um, and I have to laugh same, because, same. right. And you know, you get all these business gurus and all the rest of it that will tell you, oh, well, you've got to niche down and you've got to focus on one thing and you know, all the rest of it. I'm like, that just doesn't work for me. That's just not the way that I'm wired. And I think I, yeah, it just doesn't work. So all of that to be said, uh, I started my life in the entrepreneurial sense. Uh, actually, in college, I started my first wedding planning company as a junior in college, wow. and that love led to a twenty-year love affair with the wedding industry. Wow! Um, I, I thought about being a wedding planner for a hot second, and I was like, "Oh, that's so many weekends." It is, and it's really it's very taxing physically and emotionally more so than what it might seem. I mean, it's really pretty. Don't get me wrong. You know, like we've got all of the Instagram and Pinterest and all the rest of it, but at the end of the day, uh, it's a very different thing when you're the one making the beautiful things. Yeah, more so than just enjoying the beautiful things. So I think there is a bit of a, a misunderstanding about our industry. You know, just from the get go. Did you get really burnt out on? trying to make things perfect for people all the time. So there's a funny story there. (laughs) Um, Actually, yes, to to have the short version. um, But the long version is that I pretty much have the trifecta of being a workaholic, being a people pleaser, and being a perfectionist. Oh, gosh. Hey, me too. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So it's just kind of like in that sense, um, those predispositions in my personality we're almost like a, a catch-22 for the wedding industry. It was perfect in the sense of it hit all of my hot buttons. So I was more than willing to sacrifice my physical health, my emotional health, and sometimes my mental health to ensure that everyone else was happy and everything was perfect. But that comes at a cost. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's that thing of 
the more that I got into my own growth and development as a human being and then also as a business owner, mm-hmm. I had to face that. I had to become very aware of who I was, what informed who I have become up to this point, who is it that I want to be. You know, it really sent me into this soulful journey about identifying who I am, but more importantly, why. And that spun out into a number of different things. Yeah. Did you, I know this is a struggle for me, like finding my identity in work, in what I do and how I'm perceived for doing that. Did you face that at all? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So here's what happened. I actually, I've been working on this project for probably about two years now and we're getting ready to launch hopefully within the next few weeks. So I'm crazy excited about this, but it's wedding planning DIY. And the idea is that how do you leverage 20 years of experience for couples who don't have a wedding planner? So it's all video based. It's a subscription model and it allows me to help more couples without having to be the one to tear down a wedding at two o'clock in the morning anymore. Again, that's exhausting. Um, But what, what had happened, you know, kind of through that idea of the burnout and uh, you know, all the different, pieces when it comes to the identity, my last official wedding in terms of being full service, being the lead planner and all the rest of it, my personal last wedding was October of this past year. And I spent a solid, let's call it probably two months just wrestling with this idea of, well, who am I now? If I'm not the wedding planner, who am I? Because that's how so many people knew me for so long. Yeah. And that's a tough place. It really is. Um, excuse me, allergies got me like, what? (laughs) Um, So I know, of course, you don't have to say this if you want, but I know that you were divorced and you're a single mom. Like, how was it doing weddings when you're in that space too? Uh Because (laughs) that, like, the idea of that for me right now, like even going to a wedding would be really hard. And I'm I'm a pretty romantic, swoony person. Like, I was the kid who read, you know, all the Anne of Green Gables books and was like, oh, Mm -hmm. Anne and Gilbert, and, like, read all the Christy Miller books, and just, you know, like, that was me. I'm a swoony, romantic person, and even right now, I'm like, "Mm, no weddings, no. (laughs) Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, So the the first wedding that I had um, just after my kid's dad and I divorced was not only just the fact that it was, you know another wedding because I am right there with you. I'm totally the romantic. I mean, you can't be in this industry for so long and not be. Yeah. I mean, I love love. Like it's right. Exactly. Exactly. And so into that extent, I I can look at it and, you know, just really see myself as such the eternal optimist, which is Mm -hmm. true. You know, I still believe in the partnership and the relationship and and all that that has to, um, has to offer not only the couple, but also the world around them. But this, this first wedding, was not only just the idea of, you know, we're in the middle of this difficult divorce. It was also a very personal one because it was, um, the, the bride had been our family babysitter when my kids were babies, babies, babies. So she would come over and play with the kids while I was working. And I mean, so she's like extended family, you know? So it just, it was hard at one point in time because I'm almost always right at the back of the sanctuary, you know, during the ceremonies, yeah. um, because I'll be one of the first ones to open the door so they can come out and have the double door and exit and all the rest of it. But what I love about that is I'm almost always the first person that gets to greet them when they come down the aisle. Oh, and that is one of my sweet. favorite, favorite moments. 
So for this particular wedding, I had to duck out during the ceremony and I went to the lobby and I completely lost my ish and just was crying and sobbing. And I had to pull myself back together again and walk back in and be the one to, you know, open the doors and, and give them my big hug. Um, so yeah, it was tough. It was, it was really tough. Definitely. Well, at least at a wedding, people get emotional. So you can just be like, Oh, I'm just so happy for you. Not, Oh, my whole life is falling apart. Right. Exactly. And I can't tell you, I don't think there was a single father daughter dance that I didn't get misty eyed at. It's still so sweet. I'm glad that I'm not the only one who's, um, a romantic like that. I, I, you know, I think I've talked to some friends lately and they're like, how can you be romantic now? Like your whole life has changed. I'm like, I don't know. That's just how I've always been. It's how I'm wired. I think too, another piece of that is the idea. It's not, it's not that we give up on the concept. Um, and it's, it's fascinating for where I'm sitting now, having done all this research and working on the book for recovering church girls and really digging in to the patriarchal construct of organized religion. Mm-hmm. Like nothing will, nothing will adjust your worldview faster than that kind of research. Yeah. Um, but having said that, you know, even with looking at the historical aspect of marriage and that it is truly a contract of ownership. You know, when you're talking like way back when type of a deal, you know, and here I am and I, and at the same time, I still believe in the partnership. So I never, I never in a million years thought that I would have been the person that would be like anti-marriage, but there is this piece of me with this new, you know, added perspective on things. And I'm going, you know, maybe, maybe I don't actually want to get married again. Maybe a, a partnership that is according to our own contract, you know, our own values and and systems that we agree on, maybe that would, would suit me better. And that's the first time I've ever really thought that I've always been pro marriage. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Cause hmm, I'm going to have to like marinate on that a little bit. Yeah. Trust me. I haven't made like, I'm not there yet, but it's the thoughts percolating. Huh. That's really interesting. So for anyone that hasn't listened to Recovering Church Girls, give them your little elevator pitch or, well, first tell us how you came up with the idea. I know how you did, but they don't. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> like, like so many of my stories, um, this, this came as a result of me pursuing development and skills and strategy for myself. Um, and really just uh, pretty much anything and everything that I've done that I think I can look back and say like, you know, Hey, I did a really good job there. Or, you know, I did good work. A lot of it comes from this place of wanting to not only improve myself, but also make a difference and, you know, create a legacy in the everyday and age. So all of that to be said, um, I was a part of a phenomenal speaker training program and I met a dear friend, I should say met a stranger who became a dear friend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we grew up in opposite parts of the country. We had very different experiences, but we both had something to do with the church during our formative years in, you know, especially I grew up all the way, you know, from literally day one, I was in the church. And I think she came in probably in her, uh, let's call it early twenties or so. All of that to say, as we're having this, you know, conversation, kind of sharing our origin stories with each other, it ends up being a four hour conversation and we're going back and forth and be like, well, wait a second, when you were told this and this and this, what did you think? Because here's what I thought. And I thought I was the only one. And so it was just this idea of finding ourselves in each other's stories Mm -hmm. and starting to identify 
all the different pieces about ourselves and our identities, how we saw ourselves, our relationship to our bodies, our body image, our self-worth, all of these things were so heavily influenced by our time in the church in some ways positively and in many ways very negatively. Mm. So then it's this idea of, okay, well, how can you separate the good from the bad and how do you hold accountable the system that perpetuates this patriarchal narrative? And what do you do with you know the divine feminine? What do you do with the atrocities that are happening in the name of the church and have been happening for generations? And yet we just keep going because that's the way it's done. Yeah. So that's how it all came to start. Whew, you're speaking my language, lady. Right? <laughs> and yeah, like, yeah, really light, fluffy stuff. That's all. Maybe it's my uh, my INFJ-ness, but I love getting deep with stuff. And that's that's why I love your podcast and I loved listening to it. And I've recommended it to so many people in all these groups that I circle in now because I'm sure we'll talk about this when we record my other episode. But what has been saving me right now in my life is um, I got involved with a Facebook group um, that's an offshoot of the Liturgist podcast. And the people in there, all my people, like they're all our kind of people, like they're all deconstructing from religion they're all like, oh my gosh, purity culture, what what did this do to us? <laughs> and it's just been like a, a virtual hug because mm-hmm. I do not feel alone anymore. Right. Because I felt like such a weirdo for so long because none of my in real life friends grew up like this. And they look at me like I'm bananas when I say like, oh, I didn't have sex until I was married. And I, uh, you know couldn't watch Smurfs and just like (laughs) weird stuff. And they just look at me like I'm crazy. So I think that's part of the reason I really resonated with your podcast because I felt like, oh my gosh, she totally gets me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And it's been the same for me, you know, just this idea of it's not just us. And I, I feel like one of the things that's so important to me in this process is being able to validate our individual experiences Mm -hmm. because so often we were in positions where, you know, as much as we were told to work out our faith or, you know, insert any other scripture verse here, um, there's this piece of, we just want you to conform. We want Mm -hmm. you to follow the rules. We want you to be a good girl, which of course, by saying be a good girl, it implies that we're not to begin with. Um, I mean, just so many different layers of behavioral structuring. Yeah. A (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah. It's intense stuff. Yeah, it is. So you said you're working on a book. Like, how is that going? How has that process been? Is it crazy? Just give us all the details. Oh my God. It's so crazy. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's been, you know, I have some days where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm on fire and I'm, you know, just dropping words like crazy. And then I have other days of, I'm not exactly sure where I want to take this part or, you know, what, what's the research showing me? What is it that we need to talk about? Uh, so it's really, it's a very interesting process coming from, you know, having this like visual art background, not to say that I'm a skilled artist by any means in terms of, you know, painting or drawing or things like that, but being in the visual arts from a wedding perspective, from designing decor and florals and, you know, all of the, the color palettes, all the rest of it, this whole being an artist thing 
has a very different way of showing up as a writer. So it's been interesting just again, from my own personal development and personal growth in that the consistency, not waiting for inspiration to hit, but actually just being disciplined in writing every day. That was a big lesson for me. Um, but on the, the mental and emotional side, there are days where I get really overwhelmed with the magnitude of what I'm working on. And sometimes it's really hard. And it's, it's just that idea of, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm one voice. Mm-hmm. What can I do as one voice to call enough attention to the problems that are impacting thousands of both men and women, and therefore then impacting the next generation as well. So, you know, I I get a little daunted by just how big the problem is. And then just as quickly, I'm so grateful for all those who listen to the podcast, who have been a part of our survey, who circle back and, you know, tell me how much a certain uh, episode meant to them or, you know, sharing their stories. Like all of those things are just so incredibly meaningful to me to say, okay, you know, I need to keep going. This, it's not just about the whole David and Goliath story. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's meeting each person where we all are on this shared journey. Yeah. And I think you're coming in at a very interesting cultural moment because a lot of people are starting to kind of talk about their experiences in the church and in purity culture and what it was like being a woman in that world. And I'm so excited that you're going to add your voice and your story and your thoughts to that because every time it's shared in whatever context, on a podcast, in a book, in a video, whatever, people feel heard and that's what people need. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Well, that's so exciting. Do you have a timeline of when it might be done? I'm sure you don't. <laughs> I'm actually, we're looking for early 2020. Wow. Uh, so I'm, I am committed to hustling on this. And I think part of that is because we do have such an interesting time in our culture and society at large right now, you know, between everything that we saw in the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw all the hashtags that said in the church too. Oh um, no, I didn't see that. But I Oh, did. it's a whole sub, you know, Oh, I think I did. It was about like a lot of uh, nuns were saying that they were sexually abused. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, you know, so here we had Me Too first and then we had uh, Church Too, which is like almost immediately after, if not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joshua Harris came out with his second, you know, thing of I survived, or I actually should say as he's releasing his documentary saying, you know, wow, this is what it what has happened. Then you get all of the, the uh, hashtags about I survived kiss dating goodbye. And then you have multiple, multiple scandals broken in either the Baptist church or the Catholic church or, you know, I mean, just so many different places. So you can't go anywhere right now without seeing how broken the system is. And I've gotten into knockdown drag outs, um, just in the idea of, you know, I, I will say, and I will continue to say the church is broken. And what I get in reply oftentimes are, are members of the church who say, no, it's the people who are broken and they need to be saved. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not talking about outside of the church, folks. I'm talking about in the church. Yep. So yeah. It's, well, maybe we shouldn't get it. I know. I was like, that's, I might've gone too far there. No, 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 no. I love it. But maybe we should say that for your podcast because. Fair enough. (laughs) Everyone's going to be like, what are you talking about? That's too funny. (laughs) 
But like, yeah, that's so exciting about your book. I cannot wait to read it. I will be lined up to buy it because that is my jam. Totally. I'm such a nerd. And yeah, I love talking about all that stuff. So that's super cool. Do you no, have I any- so appreciate your support. Yeah. Do you have any other stuff that you're working on in your tons of free time that you clearly have? <laughs> all of that free time. Well, weddingplanningdiy.com should be dropping hopefully by the end of May, if not before. So that's really exciting. That's you know been about two years in, in the making. Um, so we've got that. And then we also have the Single Parent Summit, which is a project that I started probably about three years ago now. Um, and that's just been, you know, similar to the, the idea of the church stuff. Mm-hmm. When I got divorced from my kid's dad, this was going on, you know, what, 10, 11 years ago. And the only things that I could find in terms of any sort of community was pretty much all, let's get around and talk about how terrible our exes are. Mm, There wasn't anything about, you know, being a a better parent, how to, you know, navigate this new aspect of our lives or, you know, any of those types of things. And what had happened for me was that, you know, I really, I look at that moment in time as pretty much my giant do-over button. Mm, I ended up collapsing um, and losing consciousness on the bathroom floor because I was working you know, what, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Um, my corporate job did not provide health insurance. So I was working at, I know it's crazy. I was working at Starbucks to not only get the free coffee because that was incredibly valuable to me at that point, um, (laughs) but also, you know, for the health insurance. So my typical day would be up at three 30, three 45, um, you know, go out to the couch, pull the blanket up around my mom's shoulders, whisper thank you again because she was spending the night so that she could get the kids on the bus, go down the hall, tiptoe, you know, give each one of them a kiss, run out the door, clock in, set up all the pastries, do the morning rush, run to the bathroom, change my clothes, get a a coffee for myself, go to the corporate gig, work there for eight or nine hours, and then race to try and get the kids from the aftercare program before the fines started. Because of course, we're going to fine you if you don't pick up your kids on time, which I understand. I understand because they need to get home to their families too. Um, But I mean, this, this became my reality. And going from being a stay-at-home mom all throughout their, you know, infancy, toddlerhood into preschool years and having a hundred percent of my time with them to then 50% of the time in terms of custody and having to live this life that didn't even really line up with my values Mm -hmm. or, you know, who I was, it was inevitable that my body was going to give out. And that's exactly what happened. So for me, that was, that was the big do-over button for everything. And everything that I'm doing now is some way, shape, or form influenced by that moment and to be able to make a different decision. Yeah, sounds like it. Good Lord. I cannot believe – I mean, I can because I've also been there where I've worked multiple jobs and chased down all that for things. But it's just not sustainable, and I'm so glad you're not doing that anymore. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. But it's it's difficult, I think, when you, especially when you're in a place of pain. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even I was the one that chose to end the marriage. So, you know, there's a certain amount of guilt that comes along with that, as well as just this idea of the world is no longer what it was and everything has shifted underneath my feet. So you've got multiple layers of emotional and mental processing that need to happen. But then you have the very practical, you've got to do the things to put food on the table mm-hmm. and make sure your kids are okay and help them process their emotions and, you know, all of these different pieces. But what's so easy 
and so dangerous when you're in the, that moment is that you don't take the time to check in with yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's just so easy to take care of the kids or take care of the house or, you know, do whatever and not pay any attention with who you physically, mo- mentally, spiritually, emotionally are. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally get that. A few months ago, that's all I was doing was just like, the one thing I can, can control is work. So mm-hmm. I'm going to work. I'm going to do the things to get through the day, but I'm not going to check in with myself. Right. <laughs> because I couldn't emotionally, mentally, like I just couldn't, like I didn't want, I remember saying to somebody, maybe it was you, I don't know. It was someone I was talking to during this period. And I just said, I'm so tired of processing everything. Mm, yeah. I just want to turn my brain off. That's all I want to do. Yep. I can totally relate. <laughs> And now I'm grateful that I went through that period and I'm grateful that I did do a lot of processing because I've come out on the other side better, but I totally get it. That whole idea of just, you can only control one thing and that's how you get through the day. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, somehow I always end up getting really deep with my, with my <laughs> maybe that's my spiritual gift is pulling out emotions from people. I don't I know. I love it. <laughs> But I'm so glad that I got to have you on the show. Where can people find you if they want to know more about all the things that you do? Well, thank you so much, first of all, for having me, because it's always a pleasure to be able to connect and chat with you and just, you know, all the things. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, website is tanyaadleta.com. And that has everything from the Single Parent Summit to the Events Collective. Oh, yeah, I didn't talk about that. So instead of doing weddings, now I do events. Um, so there's that's all there. And also Recovering Church Girls is all there. Um, and then on social media, everything is Tanya Adlita. Yay! Well, I'm so glad you were here. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I'm sure you will. And until next time, we'll see you. Bye, guys! Thank you for joining me for the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. To learn more about me, Melody Spencer, and the show, please visit swiftlysocial.com.